Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is Johnny G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Johnny G, and I'm delighted to share with you a bonus episode. This is the audio from a special session I had with my friend and colleague, Randy Braun. You might remember her from an earlier episode titled Self-Care for Parents. She and I, as two coaches who help people who are transitioning in, out, and through different careers, we decided to team up and offer a free virtual event where we would discuss some of our best tips and strategies for navigating the sometimes difficult path of looking for a job. This is not going to follow the format of a normal podcast episode because it is just a recording of this live session where we were interacting with participants, although the only voices you'll hear are Randy's and mine. So we wanted to make it available because there's so much useful information we covered, and I believe it's going to be useful to the Refractive Podcast audience. Enjoy, and we'll be back with a more traditional episode in the coming weeks. Have a great day. Welcome to Coaches in Conversation, how to jumpstart or re-energize your job search. I want to welcome you all. You know, good afternoon if you're here on the East Coast with us. Good morning if you're joining us from the West Coast. Maybe good evening if you're in Europe. I saw at least one person on our registration list um, who was from overseas at least. I'm Randy Braun. I'm joined here by Johnny. Um, Johnny, do you think that we should give it a few more minutes, or do you think that we're at quorum? Uh, I think we're at quorum. I mean, I'm going to continue to monitor the waiting room. Hello to my friend Sue from Philly. And uh, no, I think we should stay on target. Awesome. Um, Well, let's jump in. Johnny, do you want to welcome everybody? Absolutely. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coaches in Conversation. I know that Randy and I are both so excited to be here today. And, uh, you know, in this time, there's so many people whose careers have been just put in the blender. And so we thought that by putting our heads together, we might be able to offer um, our gifts to you in giving the same type of advice that we give to our clients in order to supercharge their job search, pull back the curtain and, uh, you know, and do some good. So that's really what we're focused on today. Um, we're going to, we're going to give you a peek into how we make the donuts. Yes. And thank you all again for joining us. You know, just to reiterate, Johnny, we're so excited to have you all. I see that there's people here from Vancouver, from Savannah, um, people who love donuts. I mean, this is a great group. And, you know, Johnny, um, what our what our attendees should know is that we spend a lot of time talking to each other. In fact, the other night I was on the phone and my daughter comes in. She goes, are you talking to Johnny again? Um, and so we're just so excited to welcome you all to the conversation, um, to hit record on this for those who couldn't make it. And Johnny, I feel like I just have to brag on you a little bit um, because you're my friend and I think so highly of you. I'll never stop. And I love that, that Sue just gave us a thumbs up. Yeah, Sue, maybe you can help me brag on Johnny. Um, and even though Johnny, I know you really well, I'm going to refer to my notes to introduce you to the group because your background is so impressive that I just want to make sure that I get all the details. So a 16 year veteran of the private sector, human resources and training world, Johnny Guidry is a motivational speaker, coach, facilitator, and the founder of refractivecoaching.com. Having experienced a period of intense darkness that pushed him onto a path of emotional spiritual and professional growth, Johnny uses public speaking and coaching to connect his clients and his audiences to their highest source of inner wisdom. His podcast, the Refractive Podcast, which you can either listen to on refractivepodcast.com or anywhere really where you get your podcast these days, is anchored in stories of authentic living, 
career growth, and spiritual connection. Johnny, I am so excited. I couldn't be more grateful to have you as a friend and a colleague and to co-facilitate this session today. Thank you so much, Randy. I appreciate it. And I hope you let me uh, return the favor um, because you as well, Randy, as a master in business development and uh, in sales, you have really enhanced my own network with your skills and, and I'm grateful for your friendship. So I'd like to kind of refer to my notes as well on what brought you to where you are today, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so specializing with working women and mothers, Randy is an executive coach. She is also a successful speaker and the founder of somethingmajorcoaching.com. She's coached emerging and established leaders from across diverse sectors like the Fortune 500, government, of course, being in DC, law, advocacy, medicine, nonprofit, tech startups, and trade associations too. Randy is passionate about her role in helping women uh, so that they can level up, lead on purpose, and navigate transitions in their lives. A thought leader on women's professional advancement, she's been featured by the Washington Post, by Forbes, Parents Magazine, the Chicago Tribune, and many others. So thank you, Randy, for sharing this with me. To get started, I, I think we should just jump right on in, and I'm continuing to just monitor to admit anyone else who hops into the waiting room. Uh, but Randy, you are a connector. It's one of your, your primary gifts. So many of us, including myself, are really intensely nervous about networking. It's never felt like a natural ability for me. And now that we are in a virtual world, as we can all tell as a part of a virtual uh, session today, um, networking has moved into that phase. So could you share with us some of your experiences on how to take virtual networking and make it just plain great networking? Yes, and, and to your point, Johnny, I would say you mentioned in passing that I started my career in sales and business development. And I feel like the bridge between business development and coaching, which are so different, the link there is just an addiction to great conversations. Um, and so I'm so excited that we're going to kick off our conversation with this topic. You know, let's talk about networking and relationship building in two different ways. The first thing is thinking about how we cultivate our existing network connections. And the second thing is, how do we build new network connections when we're all sitting in Zoom rooms like this? So first, let's talk about how we talk about the people who are existing relationships in our network. I can't say this enough, reach out. And I know that sounds like common sense, but when I talk to women, women in my coaching practice, the friends who call me up and say, can I get your advice on this? People feel like in this COVID-19 world that reaching out feels transactional these days, right? To reach out and say, can I get your help? Just has this ick factor because you can't just meet for coffee in your favorite spot or meet for drinks in your favorite spot. And it's counterintuitive, but I encourage you to not reach out to people and ask them, can I pick your brain or can we catch up? Be specific about what you want to talk about and when you are proposing you speak. So many of us are so exhausted. Um, I'm seeing with my clients, when they change the talk track from can you catch up to can you help me with something specific, they're getting a much higher response rate from people who are willing to carve out the time to do it. So number one, reach out. Same goes for making new network connections. Okay, I'm really bullish on this. It's a weird time, but it's a really good time to make new network connections. Everyone is in the same boat. Um, and so I encourage you, come to virtual events, turn on your camera, participate in the networking breakouts, be active in the chat, follow up with people on LinkedIn, and ask people in your existing network who you can connect with that they know and why specifically you are looking to make new network connections. You know, a few just, I'll close out with a few do's and don'ts whether it's existing um, or new network connections. Again, do be specific about what you want to talk about and when. No, can we pick your brain or catch up at your convenience? Do come prepared with questions. It not just shows preparation, but if you are a hyper extrovert like me, it will keep you on track. If you are more introverted, it will help make the conversation less overwhelming and less draining. And then just finally, back to that transactional concern, don't come and ask a million favors 
but do come ready to show value. Maybe it is an article you read on the internet that they might value, a show you're obsessed with on Netflix right now. Um, do make one or two thoughtful asks, and do make sure you ask what you can do for them in return. Even if the answer is nothing, just asking the question shows that you care about keeping the relationship two-sided. Amazing. You make it sound yeah. so easy. And I mean, in my brain, I know that it, it I know that it's not complicated, but it feels like such a big bear for many of us. So this is really strong uh, advice. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, and Johnny, you know, this is a coaching tip in general that I'm sure you'll agree with. Um, the biggest leaps that we make in our life happen one small step at a time, not like flipping a switch to I've been really apprehensive to network. And after this webinar with Randy and Johnny, I'm going to go email 100 people. No, it's about what are you going to say yes to every day, small step? What are you going to say no to? So maybe you're going to say no to feeling fearful this afternoon after you leave us. And maybe you're going to say yes to writing an email to one person in your network who you can ask to specifically get together with them. And final thing, Johnny, before I want to, I just want to switch gears to another topic, but, you know, just final thought here is ask people these days, you know, do they prefer to chat on the phone or chat on Zoom? Yeah. Um, because they might be Zoomed out and say no to you because they just can't be on one more video conference, whereas they might have said yes if you had offered them. Could we catch up over the phone? Um, so I'll put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I could talk about relationships all day. <laughs> um, as I already mentioned, I have a problem. I am addicted to great conversations, which is one of the things I most enjoy about our friendship. Mm -hmm. um, but, Johnny, I want to talk about resumes and LinkedIn because you are the guy I send my own clients to when they need a killer resume or a resume rewrite. Can you please share with us all of the amazing secrets? And I'm going to plug your podcast one more time because a 30-minute podcast that you did on this topic is something that I send to every single person who ever asked me a resume question. So tell us all the secrets. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Randy. So, you know, um, I know that the people who are attending today are highly motivated job seekers. So I'm not going to take your time to talk about things like basic formatting and spell check. I am encouraging you to give appropriate, adequate time for a flawless content flawless formatting. Okay. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Now, resumes are advertisements. You're sending a really complex brochure. And so just the same way a tourist brochure is going to have pictures of the beach and all of that kind of good stuff, you are focusing on helping your uh, potential interviewer to visualize you in a role. Because at the launch of every single idea that has ever happened has been a visualization. So I cannot overemphasize how important it is. Uh, in fact, the resume's entire job is to help this person paint a picture of imagining you in the organization so you get an interview. That's what we're talking about here. So uh, what are you doing to make it easy for this person to visualize you being hired? In order for you to do that, you need to understand where they're coming from, what their goals are, what their vision is, what they're trying to accomplish. Because this is a two-way relationship. We're talking about establishing a win-win bi-directional relationship. So do you understand what's important to the business that you're trying to join? It's probably money, right? Um, let's be honest. It's probably achieving their metrics and goals. If it is a heart-based organization, it's going to be furthering their mission and that vision. And so the information you put on your resume should be tailored to helping that person overlay their goals and metrics onto you as a candidate and as a person. There's a reason it's called human resources, right? How do we do that, though? Numbers. Numbers are golden. The language of business is numbers. So as an HR director, I cannot tell you how many job descriptions I received uh, in the form of a resume. For the jobs I was hiring, I almost never needed someone to give me their previous job descriptions. And that's what resume formatting tends to look like. It's a list of duties and responsibilities. I don't need that. If I'm hiring a sales, uh, sales manager, and someone has been a sales manager before, if you spend your precious 
resume real estate telling me what a sales manager does, you're wasting an opportunity. So I want to encourage you to invest the time that you can in going back, starting from today and working backwards slowly and intentionally year by year. Every time you achieved a goal on your performance review, every time you were celebrated by your company with a recognition or by the industry that you worked in, um, all of these things need to be charted out so that once you have this database of meat, right? I call it like the meat of the resume as opposed to the broth. Once you have all of this meat, you can really start to insert it in an intentional way that makes it easy easy for the interviewer to picture you enhancing their current organization. That's really what it comes down to. Another uh, useful tip is that objectives as a part of what was a classic resume format are no longer really necessary. Today, we're applying to jobs that are posted online. And so you've already told me what your objective was when you clicked that job and attached your resume to it. Um, in the past, when everything was on paper and an organization had 10 jobs open, it got confusing as to which resumes were going to go to which job. So today, if you're short on space, leave out the objective. It's not as necessary as it used to be. The same thing for references. Um, no one is going to check your references before they interview you. It is uh, unless they have a connection in your current company or a past company. If they have someone they know, they might pick up the phone and say, hey, tell me about this guy, right? But no one's gonna call strangers to do the very time consuming work of checking references for someone they haven't even met. So it doesn't help get you a resume, uh, an interview, unless you have an exceptional person on your resume, right? So if you have like a former cabinet secretary, um, as a reference, okay, maybe that is worth the space it takes up. Otherwise, you can bring a paper copy of your reference list in a formatting that matches your resume. You can bring that to your interview. Or if it's digital, you can email it just before the interview so that the person has it there. For a higher level of resume, be an art critic. Think about your resume as an art critic. What is the subliminal tale that your document is telling. So once you've ensured flawless content and meaty information, the next thing is to step back and to look at your resume. Does it feel cramped? Does it look crisp? Does it seem complicated? Are there too many fonts and too many sizes of font and too many weights, bold and medium and light and italic? Um, you know, if it feels complicated, that takes extra brain energy. And I'm telling you that on a subliminal level, the amount of brain energy it takes to process your resume counts. I don't wanna bring someone into my organization who's gonna take up a lot of my time and resources. So I want someone who speaks the same figurative language as me. So the resume should be pleasant to look at, pleasant to read, user-friendly. So think about it that way. Um, I'll tell you that experimental fonts are almost always going to work against you. <laughs> fonts need to be classic. They need to be simple, easy to read, and they need to be airy. So I'll give you some specific recommendations for fonts in, uh, 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 that I like to use. If you like a font that doesn't have serifs, I suggest Avenir, A-V-E-N-I-R. It is uh, just a little bit more stylish than something like Arial, but it's still simple and plain and classic and easy to read. If you like a, for a more formal font with serifs, but you don't want to use Times New Roman because like who does? Uh, Californian FB. Californian FB is a really good serif font. It's easy to read. And uh, some fonts have styli stylistic elements that make them feel more compressed. And again, when I'm looking at an overall document, if, you're, if your page looks compressed, um, it's, it doesn't make me excited to read it, you know? My last pro tip 
that I want to share. And this is something that I feel most people don't even consider, but I do it 100% of the time when I create a resume for a client. Um, I go into the text formatting and you can Google how to do this. I won't go into the time to do this, but what I do is I adjust my character spacing. So Google, how do I adjust character spacing? And you'll see how to do that. Um, I add just a tiny bit of extra space between characters. Um, in my words, word processing software, uh, normally adding a point, maybe 1.2 points, um, adds just the tiniest bit of air. You wouldn't even notice it, but it's subliminal. Again, it adds a sense of crispness and airiness and serenity to your resume. And uh, it really does make a difference. So um, that's what I'm going to share today uh, on resumes. And if you have other questions uh, about any of the topics we're talking about today, you can add them into the chat box and we'll go through as many as we can. But Randy, I know for a fact, is a LinkedIn yes. wizard. Okay. And <laughs> I, have, I have, as a member of her LinkedIn network, I have seen her navigate LinkedIn uh, to a very effective level. So I, I'm sure a lot of you today learned about this event from Randy's networking on LinkedIn. So Randy, can you help people level up their LinkedIn game? Yeah, you know, Johnny, you say wizard. Um, some people might say woman who spends too much time on the internet. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and we are starting to get some questions like from Sue, we're going to have time at the end for Q&A that we've carved out. So throw those in, we will monitor them. Um, but Johnny, to answer your question, the wizardry or the magic, um, let's talk about some things that aren't magic. Um, number one, get a good picture. Um, make sure that you're experienced is up to date. Make sure you have a good summary because people are going to see your LinkedIn most of the time before they see your resume. With your resume, with your LinkedIn, um, I was recently on a panel with a headhunter and she had this great quote that I love. She was like, on your resume and on your LinkedIn, tell me the information, tell me the facts, like what do you do? What are the numbers? What are you an expert at? And then dazzle me with your stories when you get to the interview. But if you can't get to the interview, you don't have time to dazzle me. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about LinkedIn is that it's really the democratization of thought leadership. And what I mean by that is that everybody gets to have an insight. Everybody gets to have a point of view. So I encourage you to post once or twice a week an article in your industry, in the industry you're trying to move into. You know, how are you being active and thoughtful? I encourage you to like. I encourage you to comment. Attach your name to articles, insights, conversations that are valuable in your industry because staying top of newsfeed keeps you top of mind. So LinkedIn is a great way to attach yourself to great ideas, to attach yourself not just as a thought leader on your ideas, but as someone in the know in your industry and to nudge people like, hey, I'm here without emailing them to say, hey, I'm here. So I really do encourage you to use it actively, um, if not just posting once or twice a week on LinkedIn every single day. And if you are sitting here like, I have a bad picture and we're in a pandemic, find someone on TaskRabbit, yep. find someone who's a friend and just do a socially distanced kind of moment of having fun with somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, Johnny, to this idea of attaching ourselves to great conversations, I want to shift gears and talk about interviewing. I know that from being on the HR side of the house, I was on the sales side of the house at organizations. You and I both have strong opinions on how to influence stakeholders and make a mark. And I was hoping that you could share some of your tips on what makes a really great interview impression from the HR side of the table. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll tell you, practice makes perfect, right? Think like an athlete, um, find someone that you feel safe to, you know, work through the kinks with and let them interview you. You can easily go online and find a list of like the top interview questions, give a friend that list and say, interview me and then give me honest feedback. Um, sometimes a question seems really easy to answer, but when you're picking the words for it, you start to trip. So by saying these answers to the most common questions like, you know, what strengths do you bring the organization? Why have you left your last job? You know, 
why is it that working for this company matters to you? When you get these questions, um, it's helpful to have tried before. Also, I wanna encourage you as an HR director who has interviewed, I don't even know how many people, if you're nervous, be transparent about it. It is 100% okay to tell your interviewer, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect to be this nervous. Because what that does for me, it gives me a chance to back off and pivot my tone a little bit because I want to see the best you have to offer. You know, while seeing someone in a high pressure interview situation is a useful experience for me in judging their future performance, I also want this to be uh, a successful interview. So if I know I'm making someone nervous without even realizing it, I can back off a little bit. I can give the person a chance to breathe, offer them some more water, do what I need to do to make you more comfortable. And just that pause can help you gain your footing and really uh, knock it out of the park. Something that uh, happened a lot in interviews is when I would ask people about their successes and impacts and achievements in their previous jobs, they would talk about how the organization achieved a revenue increase year over year for three years, things like that. Well, that's wonderful. So my next question is obviously, walk me through the strategy that you employed. Well, this is where, uh, <laughs> this is where the fluff comes in. Um, and so to boil this down to a bottom line, I wanna tell you, if you don't have a strategy that you built and launched and executed, don't claim an achievement, right? So if your organization merged with another organization, so of course your numbers skyrocketed, you did not play a strategic role in, in achieving that. And so it makes me feel as the interviewer that I can't accept your answers at face value when I uncover an achievement that it might not have really been fair for you to claim. So I just want to uh, encourage you to, to focus on what you did every day and how you knocked it out of the park. And uh, so Randy, from the position of someone who has been successful in closing the deal over and over, um, why don't you share some of your interviewing tips? Yeah, absolutely. And um, there are so many ways to be influential in conversations like this. And Johnny, you named some of them. You know, one of the most important things I learned in my sales career, and it's so transferable to interviewing for a job, is that people want to invest in people who can solve their problems, period. And that's why I am such a huge fan of the STAR method for answering interview questions. You know, when you get a question about, to Johnny's point, tell me about a time when. Star, S, situation, what was the situation? T, task, what was the task that that situation created? A, action, what action did you take? And then R, result, what was the result? Do not forget the result. You know, Johnny, you're sharing this really important push to all of us to really only, you know, talk about things we can take credit for. One thing I want to caution, especially the women on the phone on, is be careful about your language because you don't want to swing the pendulum too far in the other direction. Don't say, we did this, we did that, we accomplished this, when I achieved this, yeah. I accomplished that. If they, to Johnny's point, the other kind of side of that is if they don't feel like you actually did accomplish anything, they're going to be skeptical. And when you say, we, 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 you actually undermine your own credibility. So people really do pick up what you put down. If you accomplish something, if you played an integral role on the team, if you even played a supporting role, talk about, again, what was the situation, the task, your action, and the result that it made. Because huge initiatives do have multiple stakeholders. So being authentic about the role you played is so important. And then the last two things I just want to offer here um, are, you know, one's a little COVID-19 hack. We are all on Zoom. <laughs> connect your video. Connect your video to the Internet. Okay? And then audio right here. I'm on my phone. Because if my Internet, you know, um, all of a sudden decides to close out on itself, I don't want to be, or I don't want to be gargly if the signal's bad for a moment. And it's a little awkward. 
you get into the Zoom room and you can't connect to audio until the host or the interviewer like Johnny lets you in, just tell them, hold on one moment, I'm just going to connect to phone audio. And I'm sure they'll hang tight for a second. And then lastly, um, you know, one little thing I just want to put a plug in for is do not forget to send a thank you note within 24 hours, ideally the same day. And I know that this should be common sense, but as someone who worked and then led sales teams, I can tell you, I was horrified by how many people would come and interview for a sales job where your ability to follow up is part of the core competencies, would come and blow us away in the interview, and then we would not get a thank you note from them. So, you know, there's so much more that we could talk about on this topic. Um, but, Johnny, I know that we want to kind of get to what I call the good stuff, which is around our clarity drivers and our limiting beliefs. So I see we're getting a few questions on interviews and resumes. I'm going to parking lot those for a second if that yeah. works for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the reason people come to a coach and the reason you and I got into this role is that so many people have space for growth around the way they hold themselves back. And so I'd love to hear from you, how do you help your clients uh, navigate the voice of the inner sabotage, which we're all familiar with, and then the doubt that causes us to uh, hesitate and hold ourselves back? Yeah, so, you know, we should do another session on this. I'm actually leading a free workshop on quieting the voice of our inner critic. So I'll make sure that I throw that link in the chat before we all part ways today. Um, but we can't talk about, you know, limiting beliefs without talking about stories that we tell ourselves. Yes. And so I just want to say, your past does not define your future. It is a data point. So let me just be clear about this and say this again. The bad boss who made you question your abilities the bad job that was a, just a bad fit um, that makes you wondering, wonder if you're doing the right thing in your life, the bad salary or the bad title that's making you feel like you can't ask for more, the layoff or the amount of time it's taking you to get rehired um, or find a new job if you're leaping from one you're in that's making you wonder if you'll ever be hireable again. These things do not define you. Great. They are situational. Right? Like, Johnny, I know you agree with this. These, these things don't divine us. Right. And so I want to encourage you, do not be afraid to try something new. Do not be afraid to try something old in a new context. Do not be afraid to get curious. I can tell you a story from my own career. I had a hunch in one of my corporate jobs that I was being underpaid. So I started talking to peers. I started researching Glassdoor. And I started interviewing for new jobs. I didn't tell them when they asked me what I wanted to get paid, what 10 or 15% more was on top of my current salary. I went out with what I thought my market rate was. And when they hired me, they, when they hired me, they ultimately paid me 100% more than I was making. I literally doubled my salary in a single leap by going after what I knew I was worth. So yeah. don't let these stories haunt you. It's never too late to do those things. You know, lastly, I just want to put a plug in, you know, one for women, women, you know, tend to only apply if they have 100% of the qualifications, whereas men will apply if they have as little as 60%. If you think you could potentially do this job, throw your hat in the ring. And then lastly, be really thoughtful. Where are you making decisions in your life from a place of should? I should do this, I should do that, because should is a place of expectations, old stories that we've told ourselves. And I want to invite you to think about could. Could is the place of aspiration, creativity, innovation. You know, what changes when you start coming from could? Could you be less burnt out, get paid more, have better boundaries? I have a client who just pulled herself out of the running. She was a finalist for a job, and it was a perfect on paper should job. And when we switch the script from what's the cost of saying no to this job to what's the cost of saying yes, it was a no-brainer. This job just isn't the right fit for her, and she was willing to roll the dice. So, you know, Johnny, I could go on and on. I want to hear some of your tips, but I just know you and I both feel so passionately about that. You know, I only have one thing to say about, about that. Um, I'll tell you that when I am hiring people, I go by a really simple uh, philosophy. If it's not a yes, it's a no, right? So 90% yes is no. And I want to encourage all of you to follow that philosophy when you are uh, thinking about your profession. 
if it fits you 75%, I mean, look, it's ultimately up to you and to, to juggle all the different aspects of your life. But I believe that there is room in all of our lives for a job that is a 100% yes. And while sometimes we make sacrifices for the well-being and future of our family, and these things are super important, and I don't want to take away from that, um, if you find yourself in a position that is not 100% yes, ask yourself why. If you have a great reason for it, that's fine. You can come to peace with that. But if you are saying yes because you believe it's the best you could do, um, that is yourself holding you back. That's the calls coming from inside the house. The murderer is coming from inside the house. Like that is not someone else boxing you in. That is you boxing yourself in. So I just want to uh, kind of close out that section with that uh, little comment. Randy, as we move on, and I just want to uh, remind everyone that's uh, joined us um, a little bit later, we are recording this session. So I just want to be um, uh, transparent about that. And as you come up with questions, please feel free to put it in chat. We'll go in order at the end and we'll do the best we can to go through as many as we can. So Randy, I know that you and I left our mainstream. I mean, I don't want to say coaching isn't mainstream, but we left our, uh, our career. Safe corporate jobs. Yes, our corporate jobs. And we became coaches because we felt a shift in what it meant to live on purpose. And you even put that in your bio that you present out to clients. So um, I know how strongly you feel about helping people live their life on purpose. What is that about? Yeah. And, you know, Johnny, so much of it connects to what we were just talking about. You know, um, in my own personal journey, I literally never dreamed of running my own business. It's not even like it's not something I thought about. It's something that I would think about every time I sat down to watch Shark Tank and I would say to myself, God, I never want to run my own business. And yet here I am. And I love it. I've never loved a job. I have more than this. I ended up coming to coaching, just kind of following what was interesting me and, you know, putting more and more of my energy to supporting women. And lo and behold, years later, I wake up every day, have the best job in the world because I talk to high performing, high potential women and mother leaders. But that's my journey. Um, and that wouldn't be the right journey for the overwhelming majority of the people on our call. So what I really work with my clients when we're talking about what purpose looks like for them is really digging deep with them on their drivers and figuring out what's important to you about your life. What are your core values, your personal goals, your financial goals, your piece before, Johnny, because financial is important, your family and your relationship goals. How do we engineer work to that instead of reverse engineering everything in our life to yeah. work? Yes. Um, and I don't want to make that sound reductive. There's a reason, Johnny, why you and I work with our clients for months at a time, because yeah. that, those are big questions that take a lot of exploration. But I want each one of our attendees to walk away a little bit more curious about that today. What's important to me about my life? Okay, and then where does work connect to that? Last thing I will offer, because I want to make good, Johnny, on our promise to really pull back that curtain for folks about what do we do um, as coaches that they can learn from today, is that I want to share with you an exercise that I think Johnny does with his clients as well, which is I'll sometimes work with them to visualize what does their retirement party look like? Yeah. Who would be there? Where's it held? Who's speaking? What are people eating? Even down to what are people drinking? Like are their champagne glasses clinking. Um, and granted, this is more of a facilitated exercise. Um, but I encourage you um, and dare you to dream a little bit and like fantasize about what that retirement party looks like um, because it's not going to be a light switch, but there might be some glimmers or like little nuggets there of inspiration will, that will surprise you. Yeah, absolutely. Randy, I, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm buzzing with, I'm buzzing with the energy of this. You know, this is our sweet, this is our sweet spot. You and I, I love this. This um, is what we love, right? Yeah. It's like the resume and the interview and the LinkedIn, it's important. Yes. Um, but living life on purpose and finding ways to make work a little bit more of a source of joy and a little less of a source of burnout, because we also really do a disservice when we say we should all love our jobs every single day because nobody can live to that standard. And so if we're not head over heels in love, we somehow feel deficient. Mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't settle for dissatisfaction, but really cultivating a quiet and ongoing contentment. 
is something that can bring a lot of meaning to our lives instead of having that like head over heels infatuation, you know, when the love is new or the romance is new kind of feeling about our work lives. So, you know, Johnny, we could talk about that all day, but you know, Um, I see Sue smiling. So thanks for being on video. Yeah, you know, I, I do want to tell you, uh, yeah, thank you, Sue. Um, it is it is so wonderful for a present a virtual presenter to, to see faces. It does make a difference. Um, you know, I, I, I'll close out um, this topic on purpose just by saying that um, I mentioned earlier that every great idea, every idea that's ever been executed in the history of the world has started with a visualization, right? With an imagination. And so... Uh, that retirement party exercise when, when Randy says dare to dream for, for a little bit, uh, I'm telling you, picture what you want that retire, retirement party to look like. And once it takes form, you can move towards it in an intentional way. So, uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about resilience because this is a time where we all, uh, we all can relate to feeling a bit beat up and drained and uh, burned out. So um, this is the last question that Randy and I will address before we go into the chat box to read uh, some some questions from the participants. So Randy, I know from looking at your blog and your website, your newsletter, um, that resilience is a major theme, um, especially because you specialize on working with women um, in navigating these life transitions. Uh, and it's so important to be able to bounce back when, uh, when you have a misstep or when you get uh, maybe boxed in unfairly. So I've seen the materials you've curated and I'd love for you to kind of share uh, some of the best nuggets you have out of that topic of resilience and bouncing back. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this is something that I think about a lot, Johnny, as you've pointed out to me on multiple occasions, including just now that I find myself writing about a lot um, without even thinking about it, because it's just such a natural outgrowth of the conversations I'm having. You know, let's just level set elephant in the room right now. Life is hard right now. COVID is hard. Job searching is hard. Quarantine is hard. Don't drive yourself crazy when it's the world that's going bananas. And I see a lot of women, especially who I work with, having such shame. Like, why is it taking me so long to get a new job? Why does this feel so hard for me when everyone else is on LinkedIn seemingly reading all these great articles and I feel like I can barely do my best to get everything done in my day? So, you know, when we talk about staying resilient, um, let's take the shame factor out. Let's acknowledge this is situational, not existential. It is the world that is crazy right now, not us. And we have to double down, you know, it's true. We have to double down on the things we can control for. As we've covered today, it's about getting intentional, getting aware, and getting tactical. And if I could bottom line as a coach, my philosophy for everything that I do with my clients, and I'm sure you feel the same, it's about getting intentional, getting aware, getting tactical. And that's where we bring back some control. I also just quickly want to talk about the science of this. We have to take care of ourselves. This is not a luxury. It is literally science. And I want you guys to think about a race car, right? To Johnny's point, everything in life has a visualization or a metaphor. A race car. The highest performance race car cannot go 200 miles an hour on the track if it is empty. That's not my opinion. That's physics. That's physics. And we know that intellectually. But when it comes, suddenly, when it comes to our own self-care, we think that we can just defy physics and science. Mm -hmm. and say that that, you know, we can run on fumes or we can run on empty. And for those of you who are sitting here saying that's a nice platitude, but you don't get how busy I am. I will share with you some research out of Harvard Business School that just 30 to 60 second pockets, what they call micro moments of self-care, can have three major impacts in your life. Number one, in a major study that they did, those who took a 30 to 60 second micro moment of self-care in between tasks through the days, They got through more work. Their work was perceived as being best in class as compared to their peers. And third, they were the most fulfilled and the least burnt out. Um, So self-care, it's not an indulgence. It is a conduit to our performance. Also a conduit to our performance is making sure that we are celebrating the wins. If you're a finalist, if you get the interview, if you discovered a new awesome takeout place on Uber Eats, celebrate the wins 
Um, life is actually going by really quickly, even though quarantine can make it feel excruciatingly slow. Um, and that's part of the day-to-day -day finding joy in our lives. Yeah. Thank you so much, Randy. Um, you know, I'd like to add uh, when it comes to resilience that I have found a lot of richness in setting rituals for myself. And when I say rituals, all I mean is a behavior that is repeated and that is intentional. So I got to tell you, when Bath and Body Works has their like two candles or 50, buy one, get one free, three wick candles, I have a whole cabinet full of candles because part of my self-care ritual is when I sit down, whether it's to read, whether it's to meditate, whether it's to work on my website or to have a client call, I light a candle every time. And just the smell of it, it connects me back to um, the life that I was meant to live which is a life of beauty and comfort and flow. I was not meant to stress out over a website. I was meant to flow with the power of the universe. And so um, having these rituals, whether it is having your own cozy little wine corner or whether it is uh, always grabbing your favorite throw or blanket whenever you sit down to watch TV, it, it's little tiny acts of self-love. And just like when you get a Facebook like, once you do these things a few times, they trigger your brain chemistry, right? Because you've set yourself up like a Pavlov, uh, you know, experiment to know that the love is coming from yourself to yourself. And so it's a powerful way of plugging back into the flow. I also want to comment, Randy mentioned uh, about letting, uh, learning to let go of the shame around being laid off or, or these other major life things that happen. I wanna tell you that as someone whose job it was to hire the best candidates, when I was interviewing, my main focus was, is this good for my company? Does this person make sense to hire? It is a human resource, okay? And I don't mean that, that I thought of everyone like a machine in that way, but it was, it, okay, this person was laid off but when I examine their history, do I see a resource for my company? And if I do, I'm gonna hire them. Even people who joined my company, quit and applied back three or four years later, it's not personal. That's, we let go of that stuff because it's about the business. And if it makes financial sense to bring this resource back onto my team, the personal past is not as relevant. So I, I just wanna comfort you that the people interviewing you, yes, they do care about your persona, but ultimately they're advancing the bottom line of their organization and the mission of their organization. And if you can paint the picture of how you fit into that and make their life easier, they will consider to hire you regardless of gaps in employment, regardless of your past. Um, it's about the future and the present and the past is only as real as you allow it to be. So uh, that's how I'm going to close off. And Johnny, before we take questions, I just want to show one, two things I want to react to. Rituals. Rituals can be so small. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my pineapple. Okay. Every morning <laughs> when I sit down at my desk, okay, this is my pineapple. I just recently came out showing it on, on Zoom calls. I've been hiding it for nine months. Every morning when I come up to work, this is 64 ounces of water. I fill it up. It brings me joy seeing it on my desk. Brings me joy. Rituals. Every, yeah, rituals. Every afternoon, I make a strawberry banana smoothie. And I would love to crowdsource just quickly before we turn to Q&A in the chat. What is a small ritual? Your pineapple, your smoothie. Johnny's point, your candle, what's the ritual that's getting you through? Because I do a beating burnout workshop. And one of my favorite parts when we talk about ritual in that workshop is everyone crowdsourcing their favorite thing. While we wait for those to come through, I also just want to add on one thing, because we've been talking mostly about people who have, might have a gap from a layoff. I work with a lot of women who are passing back after taking time off to care for children and from time to time um, care for elderly family members. And um, what Johnny is saying is just as important um, if you've been laid off as if you're coming back to work. It's not about did you have a gap? It's about can you tell a story about it compellingly, honestly, you know, um, and focus on what you are going to do for them tomorrow, not what you did yesterday. 
And so we're going to take some cough, uh, some Q&A, but Johnny, I just want to read some of these in the chat. We have dance, morning meditation, um, coffee, making tea, Christmas ornaments. Um, someone loves their $3 Ikea milk froth or bonus points. Um, if you can throw that into the chat, I want to buy that for myself. Yeah. Um, this is why I love crowdsourcing these. So we're going to turn it over to your questions. And Johnny, I'm going to turn the very first one over to you. Yeah. Um, because we got a question that was about resumes. Um, and the question is this. My resume right now, and by the way, Johnny and I are going to do these lightning round style. We're going to try and give each question just about 60 seconds so we can get through as many as possible. Yes. Question one. My resume right now looks good visually, but explains what I've done in my various roles. My skills transfer, but I don't have many industry achievements to highlight on my resume. I've spent many years as a grad student, and I'm trying to transition into nonprofit social justice work. Do you have any, uh, any, que any questions, Johnny? Any thoughts um, to give back to that participant? Absolutely. So what you need, anyone who wants to transition into a type of role that they have not had before should be focusing on what's called an experience-based resume. And an experience-based resume, um, the format is that uh, after your name, uh, the first information that really appears is a list of three or four very valuable experiences that you have skills, expertise, or experiences that are going to be key for the type of job you want. So for someone who wants to get into events management, right, like conference management and meeting uh, management, right, they may not have formally had that before. But if they have worked on, uh, if they have skills in project management, that's something that transfers. So I would list project management, and then I would give context beneath that from uh, from this job, that job, this job, that job, that really paints the picture why I'm skilled in project management. Then uh, the next might be in, um, I don't know if I'm talking about events management, it might be something and about- And Johnny, what I was gonna say is that, yeah. uh, not to cut you off, but you have so many good examples of this on that resume podcast. So can yes. we promise everybody that we're gonna get this out? Because Johnny takes like five or 10 minutes to go through so many different uh, yeah, examples. Absolutely. So if you have more you wanna share now, we can. I just don't want you to feel on the spot to pull rabbits out of hats on this well, one when you have so many great ones recorded. Yes, you know, I will just close that point by saying that at the bottom of the resume, you do put a, uh, an employment history, um, but with no other information than uh, company and dates and titles. So thank you, Randy, for keeping me uh, on target. We got questions to go through. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, you know, the next question's from Grace. I'm gonna take a crack at this one, Johnny, um, and plug a few tools that I know that I love, a few I love from you and you can add on. So we had a question, do you have resources you recommend to the internal examination mentioned in terms of fitting your career to your in internal needs and wants? And truly, Johnny and I were so passionate about this. We have so many free things on both of our websites. So we're going to throw those links in the chat in a second. Somethingmajorcoaching.com. Johnny, what's the refractive website again? Refractivecoaching.com. And um, I know that I have a few articles on this. Uh, Johnny has some great podcasts on this. A book that I personally love, especially for women, is Playing Big by Tara Moore, M-O-H-R. Um, but please check out, and we're going to throw them in the chat, the Something Major on the Refractive website, because we have a few articles um, and including some charts on my website as well. Um, Johnny, I'm going to throw the next one back to you. We have a question about, you know, being furloughed from one industry. How do you figure out which of your skills are the most transferable to another? I think the most important part of that is looking at the type of job you want, having clarity around the direction you want to move into, and then you work backwards from there. Um, you know, if you are interested in pivoting to a new type of role, you've got to really pick apart what makes a person successful in that role and then communicate uh, skill by skill what it is, uh, which of those boxes you're checking off. Yeah, I love that. That's such great advice. We got a question about, you know, a gap spanning, you know, multiple years. How do you explain that? Johnny, is there anything, you know, from the HR side of the house that you would elaborate on for that that we haven't already hit? 
Um, what I would say about that is um, if you paint an accurate picture of the value you bring to the organization, and if you have a reasonable, uh, you know, reason that makes any sort of sense as to why there was a gap, the interviewer is going to move on. Okay. It's when you are not painting the picture of how valuable you could be that um, those other side issues become more primary. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, two questions that I'm going to quickly lightning round take. Number one, someone asked, is this the, is the recording something that we're going to share? Yes, we are absolutely going to share the recording. Um, we will share it with you in video. And I think, Johnny, we're going to make a bonus track of this for your podcast, correct? Absolutely. So this whole thing will be posted as uh, on the podcast, refractivepodcast.com, or you can search refractive anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and it will be there. Um, I'm going to take this next question from Bree, Johnny, which um, was, you know, I've heard that most people spend 80% of their time applying for jobs, 20% networking, but is it more effective to swap it to 80% networking and 20% applying to jobs? What would you recommend as time management in this regard? Um, the statistics just show that if you um, have an in at the job by someone who can personally flag your resume, you are multiple times more likely to get an interview doesn't mean you'll get the job you got to earn that in the interview but to basically get come come out of this huge search engine database or piles of paper and um, so i highly recommend i don't have a specific formula but i would recommend splitting at least half of your time to networking half to applying if not more it's a little industry specific it's goal specific but i can't reiterate enough we talked about relationship building at the top of the hour yeah. Building those relationships is so important. And it's not because we're transactional, but it's because people genuinely want to help other people. If they don't understand what you want, what you're looking for, how they can help, they won't help. It's our jobs to connect the dots for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, last thing here, will say, I recommend setting little mini goals for yourself for the week. Are there five people that you want to reach out to this week? Are there five jobs you want to reach out to this week? Um, set actually on your calendar time blocks for how you're going to spend your time um, job searching. So Johnny, I'll let you have the final word on that question. Then I think we should spend a minute wrapping up, letting people know how they can continue the conversation with us. And we'll also have our contact information if people had a question that they didn't get answered today. Yes. So um, what I'll say as far as the networking aspect is networking is a long game. Right. So if you're looking to be hired today, yes, you should be networking right away. But um, really, uh, effective networking is done by building a group of people over time. So what can you do today? You can go on to Meetup and you can find groups of people that have similar interests and you can start attending these virtual events. Um, you should be doing searches on LinkedIn on a regular basis and sending connect requests to people that you think are a good addition to your network. And then you need to be posting articles, thoughts, uh, and things that help someone understand how you tick and what makes you tick. That is the key. And then over time, you then have a network you can pull from uh, in retrospect. So uh, that's agree. how I close off on that. Yeah. Johnny, um, let's, I know people have to jump off for one o'clock calls if they're on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, quickly, how can people keep in touch with you? Please send me an email at Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y at refractivecoaching.com. You can also visit the website refractivecoaching.com uh, or uh, you can find me on the podcast. And in all of those ways, please connect. I'm happy to help and uh, answer questions. And I'll share as well. I'm putting this in the chat. Um, a few things that I want to highlight for you all. Number one, I have a bunch of free workshops coming up. One on growing your career while growing your family. One on quieting your inner critic. Um, and one that's a fireside chat with my dear friend Ashley Hicks about race and identity in the workplace. That's number one. Number two, um, and Johnny, by the way, you're going to want to resend that link because it only came through to me for okay. everyone's benefit. Um, number two, um, I am running a women's leadership program that starts in the winter. So if that is something that you're interested in, feel free to get in touch with me using LinkedIn or my newsletter. Um, no matter what, 
please keep in touch with me. Keep in touch with Johnny. I want to hear from you on LinkedIn. Um, check out that free insight center on my website. Um, you know, subscribe to my newsletter if you're interested in career and leadership development content. But do feel free to send me and Johnny questions. We love to keep in touch with people. We love to do sessions like this. And we hope to see you at a future Something Major Refractive Coaches and Conversation event. Happy New Year, everybody, and stay safe. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to a special bonus episode of Refractive Podcast. This was the recording of a live virtual event between myself and my friend and colleague, Randy Braun. You can contact Randy by emailing her at Randy, which is R-A-N-D-I, at somethingmajorcoaching.com, all one word. Go to her website, check out her insights section. There's amazing content and curated articles and research to help you live a more empowered, authentic life. You can get in touch with me by emailing me at johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, at refractivecoaching.com. I am a personal, spiritual, and career coach located in Washington, D.C. I help people get on track to live their most authentic life. And uh, I'm certainly available to help if you have any questions. Don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a wonderful day and always remember to aim your light. Bye-bye.